0: Hey, Dylan here. Before we roll the intro and get into today's episode, there's something that I quickly want to share with all of you listening to this. So, given the current situation in the world, live content is becoming more and more important for SaaS companies right now. Webinars, roundtables, and online events are taking over. And if you've tried running any of these yourself, you know just how difficult they can be. And that's where today's sponsor can help. Restream allows you to broadcast live, engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks at the same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are already trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM and Microsoft. And more importantly, I love Restream and I'm using it every single day. So with this sponsorship, they're enabling us to take this podcast and my own live streams to the next level so that we can bring you even better interviews. If you would wanna try it out, please visit restreeam forward slash Dylan. That's R-E-S-T-R-E dot A-M forward slash Dylan. It'll take you straight to the homepage and show them that you came from this podcast. They have a great free plan that you can use to test it out and you'll also get a $10 credit when signing up using that link. So once again, that's restreeam forward slash Dylan. Okay, let's get into today's show and roll the intro. Hello and welcome, you're listening to the SaaS Marketing Show, a weekly podcast for founders and marketers within SaaS and B2B tech. You'll be hearing from senior marketers and founders at some of the most exciting companies in the world. You can expect to hear advice, results of experiments, and exactly what's working behind the scenes of some rapidly growing SaaS and B2B technology companies. No top-level BS, actionable stuff only. My name is Dylan Hay, and I'm one of the co-founders of Hay Digital, a PPC and CRO agency that helps SaaS and B2B technology and companies grow. I just happen to also be the host of this show. So when we're not interviewing senior marketers or founders, we'll be sharing behind the scenes of our business and exactly what's working for our own customers, many of whom are just like you at listening to this podcast. Okay, let's get into today's show.
1: for your next scalable acquisition channel? Something that consistently drives new signups and demo requests. Sounds like it's time to introduce PPC. At Hey Digital, we're experts at helping SaaS and B2B technology companies grow with paid ads. Learn more at heydigital.co.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show. I am really excited about today's one. I'm joined by Bruno Bean, who is the CMO at Smart and also the host of the fairly new Comms Shift podcast, which you should check out if you're listening to this one. So Bruno, Smart is a mobile-first employee communication platform that helps enterprise businesses specifically communicate effectively with their teams, their workforces through creating aggregating
1: distributing personalized content to every single employee that they have welcome to the show thank you it's great to be here i love doing this this kind of stuff so yeah ha- happy to happy to join so today we're going to be talking a kind of in-depth topic
0: is how you guys at smart have been able to Uh, 14x your ARR pipeline over the last 18 months since you joined the team. And I also wanna talk about how you've landed enterprise customers such as Amazon, Boreal, Unilever, et cetera. But first, before we do that, let's share with everyone listening to this just a little bit more about the business itself in Smart. Some of the kind of interesting numbers, some of the transitions you've made and changes you've made over the last 18 months as well. Uh, So we're not gonna share like exact revenue numbers today. One thing I do wanna say though to everyone listening Is that I was taking a look on Crunchbase before we did our interview and SMARP have raised like close to 10 million euros I think in funding with the most recent being a 4.2 million Series A round from Norta Capital back in 2018. Um, Maybe you could just give us a quick high-level overview of like the business itself right now and some of the interesting metrics and also that target segment that you guys have and why you've made that shift to kind of going all in on enterprise customers.
1: Yeah definitely so Smart is a mobile-first employee communications platform built for enterprise companies. We work with 300-plus customers at this point, primarily enterprise. We work with companies such as Amazon, Nissan, Unilever, EY, PwC. We have been in business for about nine years now. Started as an employee advocacy platform, and then at some point down the road, we realized there was a much bigger story with relations to employee communications and then we decided to have that pivot at that time and that was already many years ago. Employee communications is about the relationship between your employees and the company, the company and the employees, and kind of keeping those lines of communication open at all times. So that's what we do. Like you said in the intro, what the platform does, it allows companies, it's one central hub for companies to aggregate all the content they have from maybe different sources, maybe third party source, sources. People can create content in the platform um, and then the platform makes sure that your employees find content that's relevant to them in a timely manner in the channels that they prefer. So that could be mobile app that we provide, desktop. It can be a personalized newsletter. It can be a feed on your intranet. Um, we have something called Content Booster, which means you could send that out to Slack, a bunch of other tools, that's the whole idea behind it and yeah in terms of, of numbers i've been with the company for a year and a half now and at this point we have managed to grow ar pipeline by 14x which is something we're really excited about i guess we're going to talk a little bit about what's behind that yeah and i hope that we get to talk again and it's going to be 30x in six months
0: <laughs> awesome thank you for sharing that so i actually before we jump into how you've like drastically grown that pipeline i do have a personal question, I guess, or something that I'm interested in. So when I used to work at Hootsuite, like yeah, a few years ago now, uh, we had our employee like advocacy platform, Hootsuite Amplify, I think it was called. I, I'm guessing it's still around now. I'm, I'm not too sure. But I know that you mentioned with Smart originally the focus was on employee advocacy. And then since then, you've really started to shift that focus towards not just employee advocacy and actually the much wider picture about how you can be that employee communications tool in itself. Are you seeing that as almost like carving out your own category? Cause I noticed on your LinkedIn that you said, that you have category creator on your LinkedIn, like yeah. headline as well, and that's something yeah. that I've been talking about with a few other people on the podcast recently. So we had um, someone from Drift on talking about category creation, like slightly within their interview. Yeah. I had a marketer from BombBomb, a video email company, talking about category creation as well. Um, so is that something that, as a as like a CMO at a company like you guys, is that something that you're focused on
1: quite heavily at, at the moment? Yeah, definitely. I guess there's there's a lot on that on, on that question in that question, but the employee advocacy is a con- as a concept is it, it works really well for people who don't know it means you know people trust people more than they trust corporations, right? So it's the idea of having your employees speak out for you speak out for you on social media. Now, the way it's been done traditionally, I, I kind of see a problem with it, which is you're kind of pushing out a bunch of content for people to go and share, and it can seem not so genuine and spammy and which takes away the whole idea, right? It's about having people speak about it and be authentic. So what we realized is that within employee communications, where you're sharing more of internal communications, information and news about company industry with the right employees, we need to know about it as a side benefit over time through that relationship, your employees naturally become brand ambassadors and they are going to be naturally doing some of that for you. So it's not a, uh, the, the main thing that we do, but it's a natural side benefit of a program like ours. In terms of category creation, yeah, you're 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 right. The ecosystem that we play in is super complex. A lot of it is like quite new. So just kind of wrapping your head around all the different platforms and categories available for internal communications, it, it can be quite overwhelming. So what we've done, I guess I have to explain a bit more detail. But if you if you think of you know a quadrant. You have maybe on the your horizontal axis you have you know pl- platforms for internal communications that are more focused on static information on your left and then more personalized dynamic on the right. You can think of things like email and intranets on the left on the on the left for example, which is more generic generic and whatnot. And then the other axis is about you know, at the bottom you have Team communication, collaboration. That one-to-one chat tools like Slack or Skype. Um, kind of in the middle, you t- you start to talk about manager communications, cross-functional, and at the very top, you have that organizational communications level, which is where we plan, where we play, which is company to employees. Now, where we see ourselves is top right, very dynamic, personalized, timely, and regarding that. Employee to company, company to employee communications, the more, like, the deeper we got into that, we started to realize that, yeah, you know, maybe we we are talking about a new category. We could see more and more coming up about similar types of things in the market. But what we've done is at some point we started to have conversations and work really closely with our friends uh, at G2 and really worked with them to kind of identify that gap. um, what is the problem that that type of software solves, what do you need to have to solve that problem, and really helped define and shape that category? And it is now a recognized category on G2. It's a recognized category by Gartner, but but that's a little bit of the background of, of what happened there. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that, because I think it's a really interesting discussion that's happening within a lot of different like SaAS and B2B tech marketing spheres at the moment. Right. It's like, I think category creation almost used to be looked at as the, the cool thing to do and that people were just testing things out. But now I think more and more people are seeing it as a really defining point within how they go to market and how they share their story with, with everybody too. So that's, that's why I wanted to ask.
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent, all of that and, you know, figuring out what is the core problem that you solve, how you tell that story. That's that kind of all goes together. And in my opinion, that work of and identifying that and your messaging, that's, that's number one. Like, forget everything else, right? You can get really cool with Martech and build complicated, complex systems, but it means nothing if you're amplifying the wrong message. It's broken from the beginning. So uh, for us, that was something that we really focused on from the get-go to really understand that, make sure that the market understands it, that it's clear for, for our employees as well. Because when you are when you're doing something that's new, those are real challenges.
0: Awesome, yeah, I'm totally in agreement. So thank you for sharing that. Let's let's switch gears a little and let's go into the topic that we are going to be covering. So how you guys have 14x your ARR pipeline over the last 18 months. Now I know that there's no way that we can wrap that up into a period of time like five or five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes even like it's the work that you've been doing over over months and months and months let's start with i was listening to a previous podcast interview that you did you talked a little bit about this four-step framework that you have for building pipeline engine maybe that could be a good place to start or maybe you want to start by kind of setting a expectation for kind of where you were at or what the landscape looked like when you came in and then some of the first actions that you that you took, I think that would be interesting for everybody listening.
1: Yeah, sure. When I came in, the marketing team had been without a leader for a few months. I can't remember exactly how much, how long, but they have been without a leader for a few months and had kind of learned to exist in in that way. So a, a lot of what I wanted to do when I first came in was identify what everybody was doing, what everybody was good at. And then, you know, thinking of what I where I knew we had to go and what I wanted to build, how we can best utilize those skills, but really make it crystal clear the everybody collaborates within the team. We work together, but kind of real clear areas of responsibilities. One of the things that we did early on was getting set up with the pipeline engine that I talked about on that previous podcast. At a high level, I, not not to go too much into detail, but it's about four stages of this pipeline. You have the first one, which is all about the fundamentals, right? So it's your messaging, like we discussed, and then a lot of the tech, kind of the the heart and soul of your processes, which would be your marketing automation, your CRM system, how those communicate, a bunch of things that you need to build, like whatever, lead scoring, nurturing, all of those things. You know, the funny thing about all of that is that you need to have all those things, but that's not the fuel to to the pipeline growth, right? That's something you have to have in place when you, you want to scale, you want to grow, but you can't forget that it's not the most important thing. But anyhow, that's kind of the first one. And then second stage, is it's about the piece where all the channels and things that you do to amplify your message and get people to know who you are. I mean, technical terms, I guess, become a known prospect in your database. And then the third step is everything that you do from that point on until, You know, they get into a sales process and throughout the sales process, sales enablement materials, etc. And then finally reviewing, optimizing everything because you could measure it from the beginning. Um, That's the idea behind the the pipeline engine. And what it allows you to do is you can analyze um, where you're spending your time, your efforts, where your team is focused. And you can understand very clearly what comes out from X amount of money that you put in in the beginning of it and work to improve that through that breakdown
0: sure and thank you for thank you for sharing that i know that one thing that's interesting that i want to pick up on that you just said is a mistake that a lot of people sometimes make that holds them back is spending so much time trying to figure out that tech stack or the workflow and it stops them from actually building right and I I know that there's that fine balance that we have to find between making sure you set yourself up for success but also then actually actioning the work that you want to do and there's been a few really good examples of that even this podcast for example like it's it's still far from perfect like we wanted to make sure that we were doing lots of high production video we were actually going and meeting people and doing some interviews in person etc with the situation right now we couldn't do that but instead of me waiting to to launch like just doing something and getting it out there has been super beneficial for for us on previous interviews that i've done with other people in marketing teams they're always saying that like to them imperfect action is better than no action at all so I, th- I think that's really key once we've got that framework or that a kind of pipeline engine in mind the different stages for it what are those drivers then that you're feeding into this to to start driving these um these like leads if you want to call it yeah. that or getting people into <clears throat> these different stages of the yeah. of-
1: um, if you don't mind just I, I love the point that you made before i yeah. think that's a really important point there's one example that i i learned early on in my career that i think it's it's super relevant to what you're saying i used to i spent many years in marketing automation and doing that kind of stuff you know lead scoring nurturing all of that and i remember i was working on the most complicated lead scoring system i ever could think of i was mixing demographic like behavioral and looking at all these things. And then I would combine them into a Salesforce field and then they would become letters. And then there was a quadrant because, you know, maybe it's 1A, 2, 1B, the top left means something. And then all of these things. And then there was another field that would. up. And I remember that my CMO at the time came to me and he's like, you know, the whole purpose of these things is to handle volume, right? If I have enough salespeople on the floor and we don't have enough leads, it's just I don't know, it might sound bad, but it's like we, we could literally afford to call everybody if you wanted. I'm not saying do that. It's not a good thing to be calling everybody, but these tech, like, technologies they serve a purpose, right? All right, so I went back on your question, but to your actual question, some of the things fueling this pipeline, I think that there are three main things that are behind the growth that we've had. So the podcast that we did about a year ago that we had grown at the time, 2.5 X pipeline in the first six months. Now it's gone up to 14 X and definitely had, there've been many learnings since then. I think there were three main things and we can go over those, but first one would be a lot of positioning work. And there's some things we can talk about there brand building and building a community. There's a lot we can talk there. And then this you know, traditional inbound marketing, where you understand it, you learn all the rules, but then you figure out how to break them to make it work better for what you need to do. That makes sense. So with the positioning stuff, for example, for us, we went up market. We used to have a self-service model on our website for companies under hundred employees that also meant that for our product roadmap and our product team, there was less time to focus on enterprise, right? So going up market, we're freeing up time. We can build. There's certain features that are important for those guys are not so important for enterprise. So that was a the focus is it's a major thing. And just to be clear, growing ARR pipeline is not something that marketing does alone. It's combination of work that you do with marketing, sales, CSMs, with your product team, and that's how that's how it happens. I think that understanding where we fit in the market. We talked about this positioning and whatnot really understand the ecosystem uh, of our buyers, which again, has an impact on roadmap. So positioning was, was huge. If you, if you don't understand the problem that you solve, especially in enterprise sales, you might find yourself where you are in conversations where you will never win that deal because they're looking, they're fundamentally looking to solve a different problem than what, what you can offer. And that's going to cost you time, which is going to have an impact on actual pipeline generation or actually revenue growth. So that was one community was a massive thing. So once we had that part kind of figure out, we, we started to thinking, we start. we started to think, what do we stand for? You know, if we think about our brand of what we're doing, what is it that we truly believe believe in that we can amplify with that message to the market. So there's the product side of the message, but what do we stand for? And we thought that we really think and we want to drive the IC profession, internal communications profession forward. We want to support that profession. And there's a very good reason for that, which is in the IC world, as a function in a business, it's, when, when it's taken as a centerpiece that fuels the rest of the business, it can have such a massive impact on business outcomes. But that's not always the case, I think traditionally, especially hasn't been really the case. So that became a big part of what we wanted to do. We wanted to support that message to make sure that these people get the the attention they deserve because they have a really good job and they can have a really powerful impact if it's understood correctly. So that was a big part of everything we did. So we stopped trying to sell you know here's a here's a webinar on you know whatever it is that really when you join in, I'm going to try to sell my product to you for 45 minutes and go over 30 slides. And there's going to be 30 people watching live. They're not going to say anything and they're probably going to leave with a bad taste in their mouth, right? And then you're going to pass that that to sales and nothing's going to happen. That was something that clicked. And then obviously everybody finds out about Smart that way. And if they end up getting to a point in their careers where what we do is relevant, then we'll be top of mind and we'll be in that conversation. But, you know, if you think about going back to, you know, inbound marketing and all of that, so you could say, I have a blog. I'm going to write an SEO friendly blog. It's going to rank really well. It's going to drive traffic, the right persona. And then they're going to download an ebook from that. And it goes into my marketing automation system. They're a known prospect. Now it goes into this really complex nurturing process, nurturing program. Eventually, they attend a live webinar, then they hit the MQL threshold, they go over to sales for follow-up, and they will close at a 1% rate. Um, or you can have all of that running for you, of course, but you build a community, you are in these conversations, and someone goes for coffee with a friend who really likes what you're doing, likes your brand, likes the stuff that you guys put out, and their friend happens to be looking for something that... Maybe your platform will solve they get a referral for that friend over co- over coffee. They come to your website, they request a demo, and that closes at twenty percent industry average. Does that make sense so, yeah
0: it, it's funny because it's actually so like it's so simple, but so few people do it right. I talk about this a lot in terms of if you trying to simplify any of your workflows from a marketing perspective can be can be scary. I recorded an episode two or three days ago with Tim Solo, the CMO at Arefs. So I'll be releasing that one fairly soon too. And with him, we talked about their seven dollar seven day trial and how scary it was at the beginning when they first introduced that, and that how lots of companies won't take steps like that. And for for me, the way that we do marketing at our agency at Hey Digital, and the way that we try and encourage and the kind of SaaS companies that we work with too is it may seem like a step in the wrong direction sometimes if you're listening to everybody's like best practice advice, but actually just by taking those extra steps to be a bit more human within your sales process, your marketing process, you, you don't need to put yourself in front of as many people if the relationships that you're building and the value that you're providing is significantly higher because those people will remember you when they need to or they will buy into you and your brand. And yes, it, from a marketing perspective, it can be difficult to track that and to attribute that but ultimately when we're marketing we we don't just want to be we shouldn't just care about owning an mql or an sql or or a lead or hey they they converted because of this one webinar this is where we all need to be working together as wider teams like you touched on earlier on so yeah yeah, i'm i'm totally on the same page with you with with that kind of approach as well
1: yeah and i think that as marketers especially if you're marketing to no marketers it's really easy to to overlook how important it is to become that person that you're selling to like really really understand their world deeply and you know building a community per se it's it's a great way to do that We, we we were talking about this earlier as well right with with the podcast for example we've we've started a podcast about six months ago and it's been the best way for me to get to pick the brains of the great buyer's minds in, in the industry and learn all of that. And of, of course I, w- I can bring that back to my own work as a marketer and figure out, you know, again, go back to our messaging and make it better and so on. So, it all it all comes together.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so what tips would you give? So we have like actually producing content that people are going to care about rather than, um, just trying to shove a essentially a, a demo on a webinar through like down their throats, like yeah. learning your customer, getting that positioning, right. Focusing on building that community through, for example, podcasts, these, these webinars, are there, are there other things that you're doing to build out that community as well? Or is that the kind of core focus at the moment? Um, your...
1: Yeah, we're doing, we're doing a lot of things. We obviously are of the mindset that, first of all, I I must give a shout out to to my marketing team because I hope they'll watch this and uh, they're amazing. There is, we almost covered this in the beginning, but uh, there's six of us. So there's me and then there's Alex, our product marketing manager. We have Eileen who takes care of CRM and marketing automation. We have Valen in content marketing. We have Artem in uh, digital design, and we have Olis who is the mad scientist of different contents and works with paid ads and email marketing, etc. So we are of the mindset that it's better to to do to, to do some few things really well. But that being said, by now over time we kept adding, so we we do cover a lot of things. So you know, to give you an example, our blog has has grown quite a lot in traffic in the last year, and then again that kind of feeds into the whole the whole machine, right? So if I give you some numbers. I think this year, we're going to go over 1 million views on the blog. And about a year ago, we were at 25,000 per quarter. So it's been going real fast. And it was like small adjustments that we've done to that strategy. But again, everything kind of feeds off of each other, right? Positioning, the engine, the community. So yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Thank you for Thanks thank you lot. for sharing that. I think I think there's there's so much stuff that you guys are, are doing and that you've shared already that we could probably do like a another episode, even just because even that just one thing you said about some of the changes you made to the to the blog that have taken the traffic from like twenty five thousand to nearly a million that's like that's an episode in itself, right? So maybe we could set up uh, another time to dive into something like that before we start to wrap things up I just want to ask two questions that I am starting to ask everybody that comes on the show now um, so the first one is what is the biggest challenge that you face as a CMO or as a marketer at smart? What's the thing that's hardest for you at the moment or top of mind for you?
1: What's the hardest thing that I face as a CMO at smart? a tough question, Dylan. (laughs) Honestly, if I think top of mind, it's the fact that I'm working from the family cottage. I've been here for five weeks. I'm losing my mind. Let's see what happens to the marketing ideas that come out. And uh, I have a two-year-old son. Uh, We're expecting another baby. It's wild in the house. But if I think about work, aside from, from the reality, I guess we're all living in just prioritization of how I use my time every single day. Sometimes there's a lot of my time being requested within the company, within my team. And then there are kind of initiatives that um, are being driven by the executive team. So you, you, have, you have to be very conscious of where you put your time um, and make sure that you're spending it on things that are actually gonna move the needle.
0: So the final question is, what's maybe like one thing that you and the team are doing right now or working on at the moment that you're really happy with the progress of?
1: I can think of a few, but I think the, the the most recent one has to do with webinars. So, you know, you take webinars, there are just, I, even the word is boring. Just I, I think of webinars and I, I think of, you know, an enterprise software image to go with it and the whole promotion. So what we've done is we kind of promised ourselves we would never do a webinar again. So we do uh, online sessions, we do uh, debates, we do helplines and I think over time within a year and a half of course I had done webinars before but within a year and a half at Smart within within the team we kind of learned little things with everyone every session that we ran so I'm really excited about the types of sessions that we're putting on now and with the promotion piece of it I think we've also kind of learned how it works so you know a lot of people if you think about LinkedIn I know you're you're really good at LinkedIn by the way if you if you just go and post on your LinkedIn, hey, you know, we're doing a webinar, here's the link. You might not get so much traction on it. Uh, One small thing that we've done is we just said, you know, this is what it's for, uh, why you should care, this is who is joining and why not, just let us know if you want to join. And then, you know, actually manually follow up with every person who signals any kind of interest by liking or commenting or whatever. And, you know, over time, as you do that, as you talk to them one by one, they actually attend live, they tell their friends, you do that for six months and I'm telling you, it just explodes. So that's something that we've done recently that I'm really excited about.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And again, I think it just ties in so much with that wider strategy of like building community and actually caring about people and it may not be the easiest thing to to track initially, but we all know the huge impacts that it has. So yeah, Bruno, thank you. Thank you for so much for coming on, for sharing some of those tips, some of those tricks. And yeah, it's been really fun getting to know you. So thanks, I appreciate the time.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.